Welcome to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I'm your host, Steve Copeland, and thank you for tuning in. Let's have a great day. Good morning. I'd like to offer a preface to today's show. I had to make a tough decision. There were some technical difficulties in the recording with a weak internet connection, but I chose to air the show anyway. When you get deep into Napoleon Hill thinking and philosophy that I've been into for well over 45 years now, It really stimulates the mind and the imagination, which is specifically what today's show about, creative vision and imagination. So I ask you today to wade through the difficulty. There's going to be a lot of times where the signal got dropped and there's a word or two missing that makes it difficult to understand some of the things that Don was saying. But just use your imagination to follow along with what his message is. And I believe that if you listen to the entire show, you're going to get a great deal out of it. And I want to recommend three things. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the masterpiece that Napoleon Hill wrote in 1937. Much of today's show comes from that, the 17 principles. Another book that is very important, How to Own Your Own Mind by Napoleon Hill, specifically has chapters in it that are about today's show, that much of the context of what we've used today comes from Napoleon Hill writings and interviews with Andrew Carnegie that are shown in that book. And the third resource is The Five Essential Principles of Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, a book that recently came out that just gets down to the essence of what Napoleon Hill's teaching. So again, I I apologize to each of you for for what you're getting ready to hear and some of the omissions of some key words, but I believe that the show still delivers a great message. Don Green is one of the most wonderful people that I've ever had the opportunity to know. he takes the Napoleon Hill philosophy and another, another book that I should mention is Don Green's book also, Everything I Know About Success I Learned from Napoleon Hill. If you go to these books that I'm recommending, if you like what you're hearing in today's message, get past what isn't clear when you're listening. But I guarantee you that if you make it to the end of the show, you're going to learn a great deal that will help you have a better life and lead you closer to success. So with that, I say enjoy today's show. And thank you very much. Good morning. Glad to be with you. Well, today is going to be another one of those incredibly special shows. And let me tell you why. I'm just going to read you the name of today's show. Right Thinking with Steve Copeland is very pleased to announce that this week's show is called Creative Vision and Imagination with guest Don Green, Executive Director, CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Tune in and hear Don and Steve talk about two of Napoleon Hill's principles of success that are key ingredients, but that little is written about. Where there is no vision, the people perish, is a truth that we all must understand to succeed. Well, that's what we're doing today, and I've got Don Green back, and he's been on the show six other times, but Don's with us right now. Don, thanks for doing this interview today. Steve, it's my pleasure. If we can have her, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, I know that that's exactly true for, for who you are, and I just want to tell everybody that last week I... I paid you a visit that I want to thank you publicly right now. Don, you weren't feeling good, and you took time to still have a meeting with me, and I wanted to go over the curriculum that I've put together that's going to be in prisons all across the country. And when we ate lunch and I showed you that curriculum, 
I ask you to look at it and give me uh, your true thoughts on if the Napoleon Hill Foundation had engaged me to try to take Napoleon Hill thinking and expose people that are incarcerated across this country in prisons and jails to the Napoleon Hill philosophy and thinking, would you be satisfied that I had achieved that? And, and what you told me was, was worth my trip there. But then, then I just want to tell you that I know that you are preparing uh, to do a book in the future and that I had given you transcripts of the six interviews that you and I did. And we covered a lot of things. We covered uh, the mastermind group, Going the Extra Mile, Applied Faith. We did a show called My Friends Call Me Don that really brings out who you really are. And then you gave a message to all those inmates that I wanted you to speak to about how they can turn their lives around. But the very first show we did was episode seven called Stories About Napoleon Hill. And Don, I think that you probably are the closest person on the face of this earth to understanding exactly what it is that Napoleon Hill gave to the world. And that's why we're here today. We're gonna to do another interview and you chose the topic of what you wanted to talk about, creative vision and imagination. So with that said, why did you want to talk about that, Don? It's all meant a lot to me. It's one of the sh short chapters in the uh, book. He talks. He talks a lot about the mind being the um, uh, being the workshop workshop uh, where everything is created first in the mind before it's his physical existence. And he wrote a lot um, on uh, uh, creative visualization. He said, you know, you got two types of uh, creative vision. One of them is abstract, which is simply ideas. Of course, if we can take the ideas and do something with them, and the other one is uh, is concrete. And he said, we've we've had visions, we've visualization ever since mankind's been on the face of the earth. We realize it, but uh, we're using it. If a caveman back there hears noise, his mind starts to tell, starts to communicate. Is that is that something that's going to come in here on me and eat me alive? Some, uh, friends coming for a visit or whatever, his mind takes creates from sounds or smells uh, or whatever. It's a mental means um, uh, that uses the imagination to make dreams and goals come true. And that's 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 the part of creating visualizations. We use our visualizations to make our dreams come true. Uh, it's a uh, it's perfect every single personal success is creating visualization. Some had an idea and did something uh, to it. It was an idea, a thought before it was a thing. Of course, he'll give us all kinds of, uh, I guess the best example is I was over at this a while ago at uh, something and then I saw the picture of, uh, I saw the picture of Edison and he all uh, hanging on the wall. And you know, Edison, he had over a thousand, uh, though he was uneducated as far as book sense, and most of all of his his uh, his uh, things published were what he'll call synthetic. Uh, means he took what already exists and altered it, and um, and and created something another. In fact, to said itself, everything he created was of rearranging. For example, the light bulb for the light bulb, except a filament that. He understood the process of charcoal. He understood put a, uh, some types of water. You get a glow. To, he was eliminating the ten thousand things that didn't work. Up with one filament, 
that would go into a vacuum tube. The vacuum tube, you knew the process of charcoal, you limited the oxygen to the charcoal and to burn out the impurities. If you just put your charcoal out and say, don't fire burn it up, it'll burn up to nothing but ashes. So he knew those processes, but what he didn't have was, that's what he said, people said 10,000, no, not 10,000 fares. Eliminated 10,000 things that did not work to get that one thing. And uh, he did all, all kinds of things. And he said, which I thought was interesting, and this was creative vision as far as you could think, which was the phone. He had the idea of the phonograph. This was recorded sound playback, which never existed. He took an envelope out of his pocket and what he thinks will work and had different people in the he's comments. And they recorded sound on a metal disc and it played at the first time, first time they tried it. And so, of course, the phonograph, the record player, and all the other means of communications, and even uh, the added to the movie industry, the film industry. So, those things, if you've ever been on Wall Street, nobody's a, he's a ticker taper. See it on, he runs across there and shows all the, all the stock things. He, he invented the process. I'm sure it's been, been improved uh, many many, many, uh, but uh, all kinds of ideas. I mean, like the guy that uh, that took an ice cream and dipped it in place and come up with a, come up with a, come up with a new product. The, the guy took cookies and put ice cream in it. Eskimo pie, millionaire, off of one little simple thing because he was running a store and a kid with some change. He didn't have money to buy ice cream or cookies. He decided which one he wanted. So he got the idea of why don't I put ice cream through cookies? And uh, and I think it's his wife gave us the name, it, it, the name, but he ended up being called Eskimo Pie. It was a very simple thing: combine ice cream to get a get a uh, dessert that uh, kids loved. He became here, and they're off of one simple thing, and uh, that's uh, that's that's the benefit of it. Um, uh, and he's. If we use the creative visualization in the right way, it'll improve your life. It, uh, we begin to attract uh, success and prosperity by the use of our, use of our uh, imagination. Um, it gives a person power that can change your environment. Um, it can uh, it can money, possessions, work, even people into our life, into our personal life to lead us a better life. And of course about the imagination is it works both ways. Steve, you're a six-year-old boy and you're sleep you have to sleep upstairs, you're as close to you, there's no light or anything, and there's a storm comes during the night. And storm comes making all kinds of this noise and he's just laying there and you steal. And all, you start hearing a bang and hitting a side house, hitting the windows, some bang it, in his imagination, the booker man's getting ready to break in. You know, he, his mind goes plumb wild. And what happened is blowing as a storm and uh, a big tree was close to the house and one of them was smacking against the side of the house and he heard that sound. But the tiny branch, it was somebody trying to break in on him because it was dark, it was quiet. And so our mind can, it can work in both uh, both directions. I want a story that little boy was, every kid knows you don't go around the cemetery at night. You don't, you avoid cemetery. So he got playing ball too late Dark on him, and he had to walk home. So he knew he had to pass the cemetery. So he starts running, and so he starts running. So by the time he got home, was 
he couldn't walk. His eyes all bugged out. He broke out in a sweat. And uh, when he calmed down a little bit, there was something other on his neck. Only thing that happened was his shirt collar, his shirt had got turned up against, was touching his. But just that happened just as he goes by the cemetery into his mind. It was true as if it really happened because he imagined it to be real. It wasn't, but to him, but to him it was real because he imagined it. And so that, uh, and uh, we we all we all uh, we all. It's uh, and I, I looked. I did a little bit of study and mentioned uh, visions mentioned in the Bible over and over. Just Job told us said without a vision, my people. Me as Steve, I read that. He says. You know, if you don't know where to stay, you better sit down and start figuring it out. You know, am I going to go to school or I'm going to drop out and sit on a park bench for a day? You know, what am I going to go to? What subject am I going to take? What will I be working at? Family can no longer feed me when I get 20, 21 or whatever it is. And that's that's the point of our imagination. And it doesn't have any limits, uh, um, but, but it's extremely important. I mean, you even tell the story. It is, we said talk about vision as long as we've had mankind. He wrote about, he wrote about, he wrote about in Genesis, right off the bat. He said, he tells us, let us make, uh, let us make man in our image. That's exactly, we're patterned after, we're patterned after, after God. He said, let us make in our image. So where do you talk about using the word image uh, in the first First book, of, first book of the Bible. So it's always been with us. Most of us don't realize it, uh, that how we can change our, our all the stuff we come with. We we don't have to live in the same conditions we're born with if we use our if we use our magic. Don, can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. Thanks. Well, in Napoleon Hill's masterpiece, Think and Grow Rich, you could probably quote it without me even asking you. It's the, the very first line of Think and Grow Rich. Uh, it's funny. I had a copy of it sitting right here a minute ago. I'm going to turn to it. Think and Grow Rich, the masterpiece. But you know the first line. Truly, thoughts are things and powerful things at that. When they are mixed with definiteness of purpose, persistence, and a burning desire for their translation into riches or other material objects. What I'd like to do is take a moment. I've got a book here that, that you had sent me, How to Own Your Own Mind, and the very first third of this book is called Creative Vision. And I got another one, The Five Essential Principles of Think and Grow Rich. And the second or the third chapter in here is on imagination. And in the chapter on imagination, desire is only a thought, an impulse. It is nebulous and ephemeral. It is abstract and of no value until it has been transformed into its physical counterpart. So I want to I want to give you a lead in here that you could probably talk about for about the next four days. That's I I think you could go for four days. Here's what it is: Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich, he had the 13 principles of success, and then he had another book a couple years later that highlighted the 17 principles of success. They're all very much entwined. the The creative vision in the 17 principles of success was number 14. And, and the imagination is just a part. It says in, in something that I read in How to Own Your Own Mind that it's, if there's 10 steps to create a vision, imagination is only one of those steps. So there's a difference between creative vision 
and imagination. So what I'm trying to say here is, is that when all of these are put together and we become a person who is able to have thoughts and turn those into reality and have visions and it's limitless, it's limitless rather how far our visions can go. Every great man that you've already talked about, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, all the others, they had a vision and their vision sometimes went so far beyond other people. What's the difference in how these people were able to tap into something deep inside them and pull that out to be able to turn it into material success? I guess he'll describe it pretty good, Steve. He said our imagination be the top of the mind. Hey, a lot of people don't work or they know it's so little bit or they want to leave it. You know, okay, you, you know, but I'll leave out the positive attitude. I saw a thing that says, you know, if you get tired, and you got a bad attitude, if you're going anywhere, you got to change them both. Does that make sense? You ain't going to work a flat tire, and you're not going to have a bad attitude. You need to, you need to change them. So to those people that don't want to get their mile across, they're afraid, well, I'll do more when they start paying me more. They got it bad. They're not entitled to a higher wages or promotion if they don't demonstrate an extra mile. Because if you're getting paid 14 bucks an hour, $14 an hour a person, you got to develop attitudes. You're going to be a $20, or $30, and you do that by going the extra mile. I read a story one time about a Russian pig. He's getting up in years, and it, and he was talking about having much time to, to, uh, to uh, uh, be left. And his wife asked him, what would you like to – one thing that you've missed in life you'd like to have? And she said – he told her, he said, well, he said, I was one day working at the landowners and said, said he, he – and he said, I just never seen before. And he said it was earlier in his life. So his wife decided, she said, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to surprise him. His birthdays are coming up and I'm going to fix that dish. And uh, so uh, she found out all the ingredients to it. And so she fixed it. And so it come his birthday. She said, thank. And uh, he said, well, honest with you, honey, don't want to hurt your feelings. You went to a lot of trouble, but I don't how the nobleman, the landowner, was so excited about that meal. And she started naming off what all was, what all she, what was cooked up. But one, number one grated uh, uh, beef, she said that she couldn't afford. So she ground up some ham and she served, mixed it with hamburger meat. Well, hamburger meat would be like not going the extra mile. If you want the things, if you want product that you, you got to use the best ingredients and going the extra mile is one of them. Uh, if you start leaving off the positive mental attitude or going the extra mile or applied faith, uh, you're not going to get the results as someone using all the principles. I mean, for example, applied faith. If you just hardly going to accomplish this present drug and say, well, I kind of give it a try and work. I thought it was. I guess I've spent enough time on it. Well, with that kind of attitude, you succeed. You got to start out with the. That's where a vision comes in. You start out with the ends in your mind. Simple. You sure. I mean, you you visualize. You picture. You see it. Jim Caldwell, who you've interviewed, uh, one of the most outstanding people I've ever been associated. His first book was, and of course, he is a blind man, author of over forty books. Four of which I published. And I'm working on the field. He said, was you don't have to be blind to see. In other words, that man can see more 
that most people can see, though he don't have your eyes. But again, he's talking about his inner eyes or vision, the same Job talked about. When he talked about visions, you're not seeing, you're thinking any abstract, but it's, but it's something that I'm concrete. If you think about uh, making a big fancy cake, it's an abstract idea. But when you put it to use and you bring all the in together and produce it, then you've got a concrete product. You've got something that you can look at and something, uh, something you can taste. You know what I you know what I like about what you're saying, Don? We're talking about this today. You chose it because you said it's so important, but it's not a whole lot been said about it. You know, sometimes the behind the scenes people are the ones that make the success of whatever the endeavor it is. You got the big movie stars out there on the screen, but without all those people that are behind the cameras, the script writers, the editors, the, the people that finance the deal, that movie star wouldn't have had an opportunity to be on the big screen. But I want to take the opportunity because I think that our, our listeners will like this. I want to read the 17 principles and then I want to come back to where creative vision and imagination fits in. Number one, definiteness of purpose. Number two, the mastermind alliance. Number three, applied faith. Number four, going the extra mile. Number five, pleasing personality. Number six, personal initiative. Number seven, positive mental attitude. And I might say that PMA was invented and given to the world by Napoleon Hill. And there's more people that, that go out there and try to teach PMA to, to motivate people in all walks of life to be successful. Number eight, self-discipline. Number nine, enthusiasm. Number 10, controlled attention. Number 11, accurate thinking. Number 12, learning from adversity and defeat. Number 13, teamwork. Number 14, creative vision. Number 15, maintaining sound health. 16, budgeting time and money, and 17, cosmic habit force. And what I want to say to turn it back over to you is this. I think the first four or five were considered to be the major ones. All the others are kind of the support ones. And those, those definite as a purpose, mastermind, applied faith, going the extra mile. But if we all start with number one, definiteness of purpose, if a person's not understanding their purpose, they're drifting aimlessly through life and they'll never get anywhere. But you know what? Without creative vision, most people would never figure out what their purpose is. They'd never be able to even get started on number one because it's in their mind. They're seeing things and they're, they have a vision. They have something that's inside them that, that is trying to come out. One of the definitions that I got from How to Own Your Own Mind by Andrew Carnegie when, when uh, Napoleon Hill interviewed him. I mean, that's where a lot of this came from is Andrew Carnegie gave it to Napoleon Hill. He says, Napoleon Hill says, what is the difference between imagination and creative vision? The two terms appear to be synonymous. And Andrew Carnegie says, no, they are not the same. Creative vision is an acquired ability through which one does two very important things. First, he becomes keenly aware in recognizing opportunities favorable to the attainment of his aims and purposes. Second, he develops the habit of embracing those opportunities and acting upon them through organized individual endeavor. It's also tied together. And, and the goal, I think, is not to pick out one or two, but to put them all together in the recipe, like you're saying the Russian woman didn't use hamburger. It's to become a person that uses all these all the time so that our personalities become complete. That's what I think it is. Steve, in the, in the book in 37, he'll told us that the program 
by through man's use of imagination that the changes that occurred in life, the changes even now happen even faster than they did under Hillside. Most of us has been made in, in, in this in this century more than all the other together. In fact, this in 1922, Hill gave us graduations at Salem uh, University, and among those in the crowd was uh, Jim Roosevelt was in 32. He was he was Napoleon Hill's introduction to PFT and journey journey depression, but uh, at Baptist University, we have that speech, uh, J.B. Hill, uh, located on the in Hill's book, uh, Napoleon Hill's Greatest Speeches. But then in 1957, 35 years later, he goes back to, and they bestow on him an honorary doctorate degree. He talked to him in that speech, by the way, which was called The Five Essentials, and that's been printed. It's in the book also. The Five Essentials talked about the more important principles. He said, if in 1922, I would have told you what was going to happen in progress between 2 and 57, nobody would have believed me. And he starts quoting all them things as it happened during that 35-year, 35 because he'll said, what made this come possible was simply man use of his imagination. Because Steve, if you're in 1900, and people start telling you that you could some that could fly up there, they probably locked you up, or at least the family would have been watching, got to watching it. You didn't see, you didn't, didn't hurt yourself because it, it's very similar to the four minute mile that I have on audio that put in a book we're working on. But the 1892, there was a for the four minute mile, I think it was four minutes and 12 seconds. 1954, a medical student by the name of Roger Bannister, he thought it would be broken. The doctors said, no, it can't be. That man's hard and it possible and so forth. So it was just accepted. You can't run a four minute, you can't run a mile in less than four minutes. Well, Steve ba- uh, Roger did, didn't believe that. So he practiced, he practiced, he found it. Then it was accepted. And today, approximately 1,500 men, boys even in high school, a mile less than four minutes, which simply lessens this is. Things are all possible until somebody does it. Now it's that you can run a mile in less than four minutes. But that's the same way with fly. And, uh, Napoleon, we have a, a clipping. He covered the right And the newspaper clipping says it called him the a young cub reporter named Napoleon Hill. And it was said at the same time that the Wright brothers did the fly, a uh, Ivy League professor issued a paper while man would never be able to fly. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, and that, again, it just proves that, that, that it's all possible to some, until somebody does it. And that's the point of having to imagine. Well, if you've read the, the four geniuses, that's Walter Ockerson, he wrote a book on Franklin, Einstein, Leo Vinci, and finally Steve Jobs, when he found out Steve Jobs was about to, and he called them uh, geniuses. But if you read uh, Leonardo da Vinci in the 90s, uh, he's also known as painting the three most famous paintings of uh, uh, Mona Lisa, Last Supper, and uh, and Madonna and Child. And but he also was a he was a self-educated. He wrote. He kept uh, volumes of notebooks, and uh, he talked about men work with pulleys and 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 so forth. And they did actual did designs. He saw the days that man would fly. This is like the 14, uh, 1490s. So uh, there's always been people out there 
that well, they, they you know they took him, had him examined, uh, convinced him that uh, he was not uh, that he was not crazy when he was saying that we project sound without the use of wires. Well, you know, you can hear his family and uh, you need to take some time off. Uh, you're, you're 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 under you're under too much stress. So yeah, they, he, put him, they put him in a mental hospital for a while. Yeah, Vince, you give me a little bit of time, and I'll demonstrate. The doctor, the doctor, believe otherwise died. He were died in a mental institution. Uh, uh, but in the case that people so far ahead of the time, they're ridiculed, made fun, so forth, and and uh, and so on. You know, it's a story I like. I don't read or not, but uh, at one time, uh, the that the world was going to go dark. What do you mean going dark? Well, the coming first years, they use well oil to burn in their kerosene in their lamp. Of course, only the well-to-do could afford it. It's too expensive. But uh, that, that house with was well off. Well, when Rockefeller, about that time in Pennsylvania, they found out it was kerosene, and all of a sudden, it's it was selling for pennies compared to what well oil was because it's so plentiful. You know, just just a little just a little sample thing like discovering the hole in the ground. At the uses that could be made of it, and just imagine what the done. It basically lit up the world. Uh, so, uh, man's always going to use his imagination, some of them are, to make improvements in the world, in the medical field, communication field, or whatever. It, you know, if you, there's a book called Factfulness. I can't remember his name, he died a couple of years ago, but Melinda Gates, wife, wrote about this. Uh, the book she got is a moment of, it's, it's a wonderful book. Uh, it's a term when the rocket takes off, you know, this is what will happen when the rocket takes off. And uh, he quoted facts in that book. The number of kids that die in the infancy, uh, it's nowhere compared just years ago. Uh, the number of people living in poverty, nowhere compared was years ago. Uh, and such things as vaccinations and, and, and so on. And it's all because of somebody's imagination that has have made life better in any field than uh, any think of. Uh, and, and, you know, like in this country, we talk about uh, and so forth. And I think I think with a family of four, you need 30000 a year. If you're making $30,000 a year, the top 1% in the world's population for his income, okay? Uh, things are improving dra- drastically. I mean, I had a guy come see my about a couple weeks ago. And he's from Liberia. And uh, if you see his picture posted, he had his red <laughs> uh, dirt, that's all, uh, dress. But he works for a uh, the, uh, uh, Charlton, Texas. And their goal is simply to be, he's a missionary for his uh, church. He's got two jobs. The other, he's full of the, uh, and they got one goal. He says, by the end of 2020, everybody in Liberia will be involved in this. Of getting safe drinking water. Now we've got to endorse it, but that's a big deal because the kids that die before they're five years old, most of them is because malnutrition or simply getting bad bad water and so forth, and them undernourished can't simply fight it off and they die. Uh, Linda Gay, she talked about interviewing this one lady that had eight kids and six of her kids uh, at childbirth or shortly thereafter. Shortly thereafter, uh, because it's such things as was invented to the sanitation's cause and uh, malnutrition 
uh, lack of uh, the contraceptives and so forth and so on. But but the Gates Foundation is billions of dollars, as he said, to educate them so they can sustain themselves without having someone else to do the feeding and so forth, to make them where they can be responsible and and uh, and uh, and forth. So they, I mean, you know, it's a human trade all the world. We want children to live better than we did. We want progress. That's just a built-in and uh, and with this philosophy, we can do that. You know, I, I I think that one of the one of the greatest things about Napoleon Hill thinking with creative vision that I've come across is that a lot of people they fear that if they share their knowledge with someone else, that they're gonna lose it. In other words, a lot of people they they don't want to help others succeed. They want to just get what they want, and they're afraid that there's not enough. It's it, it's it's scarcity. And that they have this fear that there's just not enough resources. Well, I got a quote here that I think is just beautiful. Men with creative vision never limit the amount of service they render. On the contrary, they extend their services in every direction possible by going the extra mile. There is no other way by which a man can make the fullest use of his privilege of personal initiative. To get more from life, one must give. That's Andrew Carnegie telling that to Napoleon Hill. Yeah, well, he said, he said man's only limitations within reason and the values of his imagination. And that's, and that's, that's how we'll make Coca-Cola and, and so forth. He, he told so many wonder, wonderful uh, stories. Uh, uh, and he, he said a creative imagination. He defined it. It's, uh, it's, it's, man, it's man's use of connecting to intelligence. And, and, and he said that's where all basic ideas were handed to man is to uh, infinite intelligence. And he under, he under, he under, he understood it. But what often happens to we use our imagination uh, in a negative manner. Uh, he said, you know, in one of the audios I, I've got, he did in, he talked in 1938 at, um, and that's when he wrote that word. Well, you can see where it come from. He used, he was his imagination in reverse. He just divorced lost his Royal Cross and so on and so forth. Some bad business. His mind was playing tricks on him. Uh, he was using it in a manner. Um, uh, but, uh, and we talk like desire. Desire to have is it's a, it's something that you can reach out to her and touch. You can use your desire to create something touch, or it be money, uh, 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 real estate, or what you can, you can use your, you can use your, your mind to create. But it's a, uh, it, it's a uh, desire is simply something we can uh, press with to and create that desire into his equivalent. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's the point of it. And you know, what you mentioned purpose, and I always like the, always like the um, Warren that wrote the purpose of every life. Of course, he's a pastor of one of the largest churches in Iowa. And, and he, he starts off on just a first thing. It says, Man must find his purpose. Talk about starting point of all achievement. He must find his purpose. And so, like you said, there are one legs. They take care of what comes, of what comes, uh, of what comes to them. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have to go into a restaurant or walk, and they just bring you some food. You know, you might not eat beef, or you might not like what. You got a menu in life where you can go through there and check off what you want. He says, "What do you plan on doing to achieve what desire?" 
And that's where the plans come in. And he tells us just from where he says, um, you may have the idea to call up another, make some plans. That may all work out good. But he said the number one thing is to start. Even her bad plans, there's several things you can do. You can start over. You can uh, simply alter the plans. You can get somebody to help you. But that don't quit. You don't quit on your desire. It, it may take longer than you want. You may have to have more help than you anticipated. It may be tougher. It just, you know, what did most people do? They quit. And he said, an audience, I listened to him, he said, he, he asked the audience, how many times does a person tempt something before they quit? And they would holler one, two. He said, no, he said, I had the average. The average is less than one because most people never start. And so when you factor those in, some people try one, two times or three times. And, you know, we've heard that the famous saying by a lot of you know, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get up. That's which is extremely important because like our be from gold and he'll write about the Darby story, we don't know we are to success when we quit. It may be in the next moment, the next day or three feet or whatever. Or not if we don't stick with it till we get the result. I told you once we mentioned you and I was talking about where's record or not. Steve Jobs in his he relied on persistence. Once he had an idea, he still answered to it. But once he had the idea and he thought it was worthwhile developing, it was persistence that got him to get the results he wanted. And now I guess it comes down to how bad do you want it? Some people simply don't. They're willing to sit there and, uh, and lead a miserable lead a miserable, lead a miserable, lead a miserable life uh, of their own choosing. Well, that's just another example of how it all ties together. If a person has a desire, he has he, he knows his purpose. You 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 want to take a break for a second? No, I'm okay. Okay. So if a person he 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 knows what he wants, and he lays out a plan, and when he's laying out that plan, there's a lot of obstacles, and a lot of people succumb to those obstacles. They they're afraid that it's they're not going to be able to overcome them. But faith, believing in yourself, surrounding yourself with people that pick you up, people that bring you back down to earth when you're getting a little too far off in the wrong way. You know, the 17 principles all put together can make a person whole, focused, successful. I mean, that's what Napoleon Hill tried to do. Don, we, we had a lot of conversations so far about how these, these points, creative vision, imagination, some of the greatest men in the world have come up with some things that they gave to mankind. You know, the light bulb, the automobile, electricity, the radio, you know, all these things. But to get a little more down to earth practical, Andrew Carnegie and Napoleon Hill got into a very deep conversation and it's recorded in the, in the How to Own Your Own Mind. And, and I like this part here. Uh, Napoleon Hill asked Mr. Carnegie, he says, Mr. Carnegie, I've always been interested in understanding more about the transition by which one changes from poverty to riches. Practically every man of great wealth in the United States appears to have started at scratch with nothing but a sound mind and an opportunity such as every man has under the American way of life. Now, what I would like to know is this, what is the first move a man makes when he is through with poverty and has become determined he will have riches? Where is the precise point at which the transition from poverty takes place and how may one reach that point? That's a question that, that Andrew Carnegie was asked by Napoleon Hill. Would you like to speak to that one? Yeah, you know, we uh, ideas, uh, 
they they can they can uh, they're translated into physical uh, equivalent by definite purpose, having plans, and then t- and taking action. And by the way, action is mentioned in Thinker Rich seventy seven times. So if he's, if you want to say there's a secret, that might be close uh, to it, or thought whatever what you want want to uh, say. But of that, the is the point uh, that Mr. Stone always mentioned our board meetings came up with the term uh, "just do it" and see other people uh, other people use, and um, it's extremely important. Uh, we have we have ideas and we get ideas. Uh, a uh, use of our mind. You know, Gates said he locked his head in the room with very little light and a pencil and a pad and he said, see what things came to him. Well, Edison said was he said when he didn't have the answer, he concentrated and it said seemed like they just come out of the air. In other words, yeah, yeah, of course, when you do something like that, uh, people will say, oh, why not think of that? You know, I, I was, uh, had a piece of land one time, I had a chance to buy a piece of land. By the way, the white people Visit back, show you it's Walmart sits on, on the park today. So, so for a lot of money. Uh, but it was growing up in weeds. And, um, and the fact is, a prospective investor said, you know, there aren't of weeds. Well, I had the data on it. It was on a four way major way, US 23, which runs from Detroit to Florida, where the major third for four lane divided that way. And um, I didn't see that. It was at an intersection, red light. It's on a courthouse. Anyway, he was going to go through the area. But uh, actually, I saw Cracker Barrel, Walgreens, or somebody willing to come by and to uh, get some money for it. I mean, I, I saw that as a vision. I didn't see this through all the And of course, it didn't exactly turn out that way. But a dry cleaner is a very successful business for 13 or 14 years. What anyway, Walmart showed up one day and wanted to buy the land. And it was a no-brainer when we did the did, did price, but uh, we get quiet. And of course, after recent, we read a lot. Bill Gates, I was radio that he said if people revise one thing, he would he would tell them to do: make sure to become an editor, because uh, we can get ideas from reading other people. People's done uh, because um, most of the things accomplished is synthetic, meaning. Took other stuff and turned them around a little bit, make something, uh, made something out of it. So a lot of our ideas c- can come books two different ways. One of saying, just like we said, the Bible, do what these men did. Yep, you'll have a good life. The other warning: don't do what these people did. So that's why that's why we read and study other people. Is from one of them we, we get idea of what to do, and from others we'll get ideas of what not to. Because we don't live long enough to make all the mistakes. If Steve, if you see me standing so my hand on a hot stove and you see I got I got bad burns from it, it has a lesson. You don't have to experiment that and, and, and do the, accomplish the same thing. Uh, but then again, if you see someone doing a good something that turn, uh, you could practice or apply it to your own own uh, own bit. One of the one of the fun things I think about the vision is I'm a golfer and uh, and. Uh, you read people about Jack Nixon, some of these guys. He said they visualize the ball. In other words, before they hit it, they stand up and they see where that ball is going to is going to is going to travel. They just don't walk up the ball and hope it hope we know where it goes. It may not turn out exactly. At least they they had it in their mind's eye 
where they want. Now they might turn out the mechanics of it exactly, but it's important that they see them traveling at the place they want well wanted to be. And that's the same way with us too. You don't you don't go down there and crack, get in a car and crack on and say, Well, I'm going to just go and you find out you're going you're going north, uh, you know, you have to vision where you're going to go before you get there. And then you can pick out the lines and the cutoffs and if you and if you get if you drive a couple hundred miles up North Carolina and the road's washed out or have an accident, you say, well, I turn around, call them. That road's blocked. No, you simply may have to ask questions, which around and you get ask questions or look at a map or today we get on the phone, GPS, and locate a different route. And that's the same way within life. They always go exactly like we want to. But there's no reason that we can't alter our plans. And that's where persistence comes in. If something don't work, does it work? Then we we we, take, we pick another one. Well, Don, another one until we get where we want to go. You've you've probably used twelve or thirteen of the seventeen principles as you've talked around creative vision. One one of the one of the things when I was preparing for today's conversation, I tried to stop and think about some examples where Napoleon Hill has influenced me to with creative vision to know that something that I need to have done will happen, but I just don't know how it's going to happen. And, and I thought of one simple example. I used to own a marina, and uh, the city wanted us to uh, tear down the shopping center that had some very undesirable tenants in it that were stopping the rest of the community from developing a pornographic bookstore and a, and a gentleman's club that was one of those you know X-rated type of places. And so uh, a government person told me that if I would buy that shopping center, the city would pay for me to tear it down and vacate all those leases first to vacate the leases, then tear it down. Well, so when it came time to talk to the city dire- uh, director of development, he turned on the other person that was the, uh, I won't tell you the person that it was, but he said, he had no authority to tell you that. We're not going to pay you to do that. You know, what are you going to give us? Well, that was a bad situation because I had been told by somebody at a very high level, they needed the shopping center cleaned up and that if I got involved in it, they'd, they'd help fund it. So we had a piece of property across the street that was a little teeny piece of property that we had no use for. And I said, well, we've got a piece of property across the street. How about we give you that and then you do what you need to do so we can help you. And the guy said, well, that property's not worth anything. And so I said, well, I disagree with you. So here's how it turned out. And this is the creative part that I'm so pleased with. I actually hadn't thought about this example in maybe 10 years or so until I, I was preparing for our conversation. So they told me that they would give me whatever a fair market appraisal would, would show up. And I said, all right, I'll accept that. And so I said, but you can let me pick the appraiser. So I knew this appraiser that was a very fair person. And I said, I'll show you why that property, the city told me that property was worth $150,000. And I told him that was totally off base. It was worth 650. Now that's a big disparity in value. I mean, 150,000 versus 650,000. So I got the appraiser down there and he looked at the property and he said, it's only this big. You can only do this much with it. And I said, no, you can build that building on stilts and use the entire parcel for parking. They had pictured a, a building to be built that could have a commercial office space and maybe some, some apartments on top of it. And I said, you can use every square inch of this, this land for parking, except for where the foundation has pillars that put it up. So I designed a building on a, on a napkin with this appraiser. And I showed him that we could get X number of parking places, X number of square footage of commercial lease out, 
and so many units with penthouses and the fair market value was easy to establish. And he appraised that property for $650,000 and the city had no choice but to write my company a check for $650,000 for what they offered me 150. And it was just all because nobody saw what the air rates were that when you build it up, you know, a, a building, a piece of property is worth a whole lot more if you can make it go real high vertical. But anyway, that's just an example of when you're stuck in a situation where a lot of people are going against you, you just got to be creative. And that's what Napoleon Hill is teaching us how to be, creative vision. Creative visualization helps give us civilization that we enjoy. Yeah. Not consider think of grace, but read somewhere else recently. But Clarence Sanders in Memphis got the idea of the big wiggly stores by letting these women fire. He told the boss, he said, instead of these women's uh, uh, coming here with a shopping list, we have to hire somebody to go back there and all the shelves and bring it for it. Why don't we just give them a, a, a thing and let them go pick their own shelf? And he said, Clarence, you're fired. We can't have these crazy ideas. Follows out of Pigley Wiggins. And where he got the idea from was he went into a cafeteria. You go down the line, you pick out potatoes or lettuce or what you want and put on your, and, and they put it on your plate. And he thought, why can't you do that in a grocery store? Let people go to the shelves. And the thing is, if they're allowed to go back there and shop, they will think this is on their list that they'll want once they see it. And, and if they'll spend more money if they're allowed to shop rather than place an order at the front and wait. So you, or simple idea, simple idea, but uh, difference in a, made all the difference in the world, made me and there's have a lot of people like A&P grocery chains and so forth and so on and the big wickedness. Simple, 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 simple idea. Um, creative man. He was creative. Yeah. Don, we, um, we're about running out of time. I'd like to give a summary that Napoleon Hill did in that chapter on creative vision and then have you close it out with whatever you, you'd like to end it with. Okay. Um, here, here, here's what Napoleon Hill said at the end of this chapter. This is his advice to all of us on how to tap into our creativity. He said, get away into some quiet spot where you will not be interrupted for an hour and have a visit with yourself perhaps such as you have never had before. First of all, find out what you would like most to do. Then lay out plans to begin doing it and begin right where you are to carry out your plans. Second, recognize now and forever that whatever you get from life will depend about, upon what you give to life through some form of useful service. Well, Don, I'd just like to tell you that I just absolutely love being stimulated with, with thinking that's based on Napoleon Hill principles and Napoleon Hill principles are based on the word of the Lord. And that's the number one thing I'd like to say thank you to you for is that, that I know where all this thinking comes from and it's good, truthful, sound, morally correct words from the word of the Lord, from the good book. So Don, would you like to say anything else before we close? Yeah, I I used to attend the guidepost functions uh, years ago when Mr. Spiel was still affected. I went, uh, I went to New York to her uh, under party. She kept telling us she was going to invite us, and, and a bunch of us went. There were a lot of celebrities, but I mean, was invited. It was held at the Marriott Fifth Avenue, downtown New York City. And I went to Palm Springs, uh, Palm Beach, uh, Cleveland, different places. But, uh, but uh, Norman Vincent Peale, of course, we know him from Parapost, Parapost thinking. Right. Along with the old stuff, but uh, 
Oh, by the way, um, Norman Vincent Field, he's, he married Donald Trump on it, and that team stabbed his head in the face, of course. But um, he, he said, uh, he said that, uh, he talked about achieving goals. He said, first seek the kingdom of God uh, and his business. And, and he said, all these other things will be given to you. In other words, he, he advised us to reverse that and to focus on the outcome of your goal. See success in your mind as if you've already achieved it. Pretty good advice from old Norman, I think, uh, Norman Vincent Peel, uh, uh, pastor of the Marble Church for years and years, probably one of the most famous churches in, uh, in the United States. And that tremendous advice is to seek the righteousness of God and the other things will be added to us, but keep our mind's eye on what we want as if it already been achieved. We have to see ourselves. Look what does most people see? They see them poverty. And they're not going to get out of poverty as long as they see in themselves. And of course, then they start making excuses themselves. I've heard it too. Well, we may or but we're honest. That's a bunch of that's a bunch of bull. I mean, you, it's I probably if my daughter was little, I'm sure I would have I would try everything possible. But if she was starving, I'm tempted to steal something to feed her. You know, you know, so it's a lot easier that not only, you know, uh, uh, you take yourself so you can help take care of others uh, that are less. But, uh, uh, but I, I think uh, we could sum it up with what he's said. God's righteousness and all these other things will be added to it and always keep our goals in our mind's eye and uh, and 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 don't and don't forget it, because turn we tend to repeat things over and over and become a part of our subconscious mind. I don't care where it's learned or ABCs or mathematics or whatever. If someone says, "Steve, what six times six? Man, fourth grade, the last time you used that, but it's still in your subconscious mind. How did it get there? We learn by repeating things. That's reason. I mean, you don't. Zig Ziglar said, "You don't just take a one bath and say, well, I got that down.' Don't never. Some things it's necessary to repeat, and it's just like like uh, the things we do, whether it's and we really really don't realize. For example, you could you could put on your shoes in order every day, whether you think of it or not. You put on the left sock and the sock, left shoe, the right shoe, every which order you do it. You do it without thinking." You know, you from you get up on a table one morning. What's the first thing you do? Go brush your teeth and wrench you wrench out. I mean, you don't. You, you just so many times it's just normal that when you get food, you scoot your chair and you go to the bathroom and brush your teeth. I mean, uh, and we can do things we don't realize how ingrained. It's, it's the same thing about bad habits too, uh, because I've they they eat. And what do they do? They reach for a cigarette. I mean, it's a, it's a habit. They've done it so many times. They will not finish their <laughs> meal, and they'll reach for cigarettes. It becomes a habit. And we develop bad habits the same way we develop good habits over and over again. It was, we make our habits, then our habits make us. For me, it doesn't matter whether they're good habits or bad habits, but sooner or later, we'll repeat those things till they become habits, and it defines who we are, whether we're person trying to make the world a better place to live or where we're one of the and it's all comes about by habits 
Well, that's why the mastermind group surrounding yourself with positive, like-minded people that all want to make the world a better place is a, is a good, good habit to have. So good friends. Well, Don, it's been a wonderful conversation today. And I, um, as always, I totally enjoy it. Let me just tell everybody, you can get a hold of Don at naphill.org, N-A-P-H-I-L-L.org. And you can get a hold of me at rightthink.org, R-I-G-H-T-T-H-I-N-K.org. And we're there for you. If there's anything we can do for you, just reach out to us and we'll respond to you. And Don, I want you to just have just a, a wonderful day and, and, and thank you for sharing your time with us today. And I, I know a lot of people are gonna, gonna learn a lot from, from this encouragement and this powerful message that you've just given. God bless you, Don. Bless you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I look forward to being with you again next week. And remember, don't quit, plan ahead, it will get better. God bless you and have a great week.